Well, good morning, everyone, again, and welcome to The Jar. Uh, my name's Chris, and uh, we're so glad uh, that are, you are here today. Um, what I'd like to do uh, this morning is just to open uh, in a word of prayer. And uh, we're going to talk about family today and having a fresh start with your family. And the truth is, is that many of us, uh, maybe we're at a 10 with our family right now. But more than likely, most of us are being challenged in some way uh, with our family system. And so I'd like to open up uh, with a prayer uh, for our families and that we would be open to seeing a fresh start in our family this year. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for every single family that is represented here. They are special to you, God. You have created them to know one another, to be drawn closer to each other. And yet, God, sometimes family can be the hardest thing for us to really understand and to quite honestly love and to encourage. And so, God, in these next few moments, we pray that both here in the auditorium and on the stream, that you would help us with whatever is going on in our family, that we'd be honest about it, and we could trust you enough to know that you are already working upstream in ways that we can't see. So, God, would you do what only you can do, that by your Holy Spirit you would move so that lives would be changed and families would be healed, and there would be newness in our midst. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My sister, one Christmas, uh, Lisa, decided that we were going to have a family picture, and we were going to give it as a gift to my parents because we had not had a family picture for years and years and years. And my older brother, Tim, was not thrilled about this at all, and he let his voice be known. I was not so excited either, but I was like, okay, if it's for mom and dad, we'll go ahead and do it. And uh, my parents, though, they were like over the moon with excitement for the fact we were going to have a family picture for the first time in a very long time. And so we all got together, we went to the photography studio, we stood in front of that famous kind of blue backdrop, and here is a picture of our family in college, my freshman year in college. And you can tell there is a stud in that place, and he's right in the middle, right? I mean, that's it. Now, uh, the truth is, in front of the backdrop, in front of the curtain, every family looks amazing and great. But what do families look like behind the backdrop, behind the curtain? What do families look like behind closed doors of the house that you live in? You know, behind the curtain, truthfully, is the real us. Behind the curtain, family relationships are very different, and sometimes they're very difficult. 
So today, what I want to do is talk about um, how to have some, or what are examples of some healthy relationships in a family system, and then some things that kind of create problems for that. And then at the end, I'm going to give you some practical things that you can do to actually become a healthier family this year, and for you to choose one thing that you're going to go after this week and the rest of the year. Now, I'd like to begin this morning with this big thought, and it's this. Even Jesus had family issues, okay? Even Jesus, in his life, when it came to his family, had a mom and a dad and brothers and sisters, even Jesus had family issues. And the truth is, is that there are multiple stories in the Bible that refer to some of the issues that Jesus actually had. We're going to look at one of those today in Mark chapter 3, and this is what the scripture says. One day Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his, what's the next word? Yeah, his family heard about this. They went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Think about that. They come to Jesus and they go, he is out of his mind. Let's just say that you're at a small group. It's important to be a part of a small group, by the way. You should sign up if you're not. But let's say that you're at your small group and you're sharing some amazing thoughts and the people in your small group are like, wow, this is just killing it. I mean, I've never heard this before. This is amazing. And then all of a sudden, you hear a knock at the door, and it's your family. And your family walks in, and they go, um, we're sorry, they're losing it. We don't think they're on their meds right now. Whatever they're saying is crazy talk, and what we need to do is get him out of here, or get her out of here. And so whoever you are, your family says they're out, they're gone, and they take you away. This is exactly what Jesus' family was trying to do. They're like, he's crazy. He's out of his mind. Well, if Jesus, God's one and only son, could not always get his family to see eye to eye with him or to treat him well, what makes you think that your family is always going to treat you well? They're always going to see eye to eye with whatever your thoughts are. Now, like I said, what I want to do here at the beginning is share with you two measurements of a healthy family, but two problems that can come within those measurements if we're not careful. The first measurement is this. This is your first fill-in. For those of you that are on the stream, go ahead and uh, you can put this on your on the app. And it says, healthy families need both connectedness and separateness. <laughs> healthy families need both connectedness and separateness. Ideally, there should be enough connectedness among your family members that each family member can go to a deep level with every single other person in the family. And that each family member that's in your family desires to do the same thing, to go deeper. That each family member knows that someone is always for you. We are for each other when it comes to this table. 
Another thing in connectedness is that there has to be a deep level of loyalty in the family unit. If it's threatened in any way, what a healthy family does is they come to the aid of that person. They come to their defense. They protect them. Some action happens if they're ever threatened in some way. I'll never forget playing basketball with my uh, brother-in-law, Jeff, who's kind of a hothead sometimes. And we're playing basketball, and he gets his mouth going a little bit. And then all of a sudden, he goes up for a layup, and out of nowhere, the person we were playing against takes him and shoves him down to the ground, and we were playing outside on asphalt. And Jeff takes this really hard thing, and immediately, I don't even think, I go and I grab the guy, and I put him down on the ground, and I'm just like this, and I'm not condoning violence. And Jeff goes, no! And I was like, yeah, no, 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 I don't want to do that. Now, again, I'm not condoning violence, but what happened in my mind, because we have a healthy relationship, is when something happened to Jeff, I wanted to step in and protect him at any cost that I could. And healthy families do that. Also, not only does there need to be a sense of connectedness that I'm for you, I'm with you, but there also has to be opportunities for separateness as well. Family members need to have the freedom to be their own unique selves that God designed. And that within the family, it's okay for a person to think differently, to feel differently, and to operate differently than the rest of the family. And that that person will be accepted, they'll be received, even if they have separate thoughts or separate kind of understandings. Now, what gets in the way of both of these kind of healthy things is extremes of one or the other. And when the extremes come, a problem arises. When families are either enmeshed or they're disengaged, problems arise. The problem with being connected and and separate at times is that sometimes it goes to extreme thoughts where we're enmeshed or we're disengaged. Now, one problem is if a family is enmeshed, and we're going to kind of walk that out. This is where the family system insists on a closeness that is not healthy. Imagine this. Some of your families are like this, so it won't be that hard for you to imagine. A family who is always in everybody else's business. They want to know everything that's going on. And family members are very easy, quickly, wanting to resolve the problems in your life, whether you ask for help or not. Sound familiar? So that whenever any person says, no, I don't want that, they get ostracized and pushed away, and they dare not have a different opinion than anyone else. I hate to break it to you people, but election day is coming up in October, November. November's the date, but in October, family systems are going to get crazy. And so you better be taking some good notes because there will be a sense that they will want there to be enmeshment of everyone thinking the same, acting the way, regardless of what it is. 
This is the expectation where you call regularly, you text multiple times. If you don't, someone's on your case. Why aren't you talking to me? Why aren't you being happy? Why aren't you listening to me? There's all this stuff that happens. Now, this problem arises for me on the night of my honeymoon. It's 2 a.m., The wedding reception is done. My wife Jennifer and I are heading to Indianapolis to spend our first night as husband and wife. And I wanted to get to that place really, really fast because I was tired and exhausted. (laughs) Now, if you believe that, let me know because I have a snow ski resort in Florida that I'd like you to invest in. There was only one thing on my mind. I'm like, yeah, babe, we're going. And we start driving and we're in Anderson and Jennifer goes, "Um, I need to stop by my parents' hotel room. I need to go up and talk to them and tell them that we're leaving. And in my mind, I'm thinking, honey, we've already left. Like, (laughs) we're done. My mind is in another place. We We don't need to do that. And then she goes, no, no, I'd really like us to do that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, are you nuts? Who cares? But in her family system, she knew that she better go and have a conversation with her parents before she left. And she said, could could we do this? I like like I've done many times for the last 30 years. Yes, dear. You know, like if you want a happy marriage, folks, you want a happy life, a happy wife. You say yes, dear a lot. And so I said, yes, dear. And so she goes up. We go up together. We say hi to the parents. And then we went on to the honeymoon. And what I learned on that very first night is this, that there was some enmeshment within the family system. That there was this sense that, no, 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 we're so close. We, we have to know it, what's going on. Even on the honeymoon night, we want you to stop by and be there and talk to us. And it's much healthier now. And my in-laws are great about all kinds of things now. But at that time, there was a sense of enmeshment. Again, psychologists call this enmeshment. And this is what happens. This is where you lose your own individual identity. And you are tangled in an unhealthy way with your family. This is where you're constantly trying to get your family to approve of you and you don't go outside what the norms are, even if it's not healthy to do so. Now, the opposite of being enmeshed is being disengaged. So it's either enmeshed, not good, or totally disengaged. When a family is disengaged, the family is so separate that they barely talk to each other at least in any kind of depth or significance at all. Now, this was what I grew up in. My family was very disengaged. On a typical evening, this is what would happen. My dad would get home, we would sit down at a family dinner, and immediately, within two minutes typically, the phone would ring. My dad would leave the table, would pick it up, and it was someone from the church that he needed to take care of whatever the issue was. My sister, Lisa, would eat as fast as she could. Then she would go off into her room where she would be with Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy rules. And she would crank up the music and be by herself. My brother would eat as fast as he could. And then my brother Tim would go out on his bike. And he would just be gone until he had to be home. My mom and I would talk for just a brief period of time. And then I would go to my friend's house. My mom would go downstairs, would actually watch television all by herself. My dad would get off the phone and say, I got to go to church. And that was our typical day. We were disengaged. Everybody was at a different place. And that's not healthy 
either. It's not a good kind of place to be. Now, looking back on this, what Jennifer and I realized before we had kids, we had been married 13 years. We looked at the systems and we said, we want there to be something that's healthier and different. And so we wanted this healthy balance of both connectedness and separateness. And so above our kitchen table, which I shared in the communion meditation, is just a sign that says, always for each other. And we want that to be the motto of everything we do, even when we disagree, even when we don't understand. And one practical way we do that is we try three nights a week to have dinner around the table. And we simply ask one question during that time, and that is, What is one thing you appreciate about everyone around the family? Now, I would lie to say we hit three uh, times a week every single week. We didn't this week. But that's our goal because we're trying to fight for the family. So what I'd like you to do right now, those of you on the stream and everyone here in the auditorium, when you look at your own family system, the places that aren't healthy, I'd like you to circle one of these. Do you tend to be more enmeshed? Or do you tend to be more disengaged? When the family system's not working in a healthy way, do you tend to be more enmeshed or disengaged? Uh, Circle that uh, on your program, or for those of you on the stream, you can highlight that answer. Now, the second measure of a healthy family is that they need both structure and also a sense of flexibility. Healthy families need both structure and flexibility. Now, our model for this is Jesus himself. Jesus had a family that he was with, but he also had a family for three years that he was with all the time, and that was his 12 disciples. And one day, they're headed towards Jerusalem when all of a sudden they see this kind of country field that they walk up to, and pretty soon a large crowd of people gather around Jesus, and Jesus heals people. He teaches about the kingdom of God and love. But when the evening came at the end, uh, it was getting dark, and people were not going to be able to get home in time to eat. They just had barely enough time to get home. There were no restaurants, no Chick-fil-A's around there, okay, uh, to eat at. So Jesus performs a miracle, and he takes five pieces of bread and two fish, and he prays and he blesses it, and he feeds over 5,000 men, maybe close to 15,000 people within that. Now, at this point, you would think that Jesus would just kind of hang out and say, hey, people, look what I did. Everything's wonderful. And, and, you know, to have a real sense of flexibility of whatever you want to do. But scripture says this immediately after the meal, Jesus, what's the next word? Insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Jesus could have stayed there. He could have healed more people. He could have taught more things. But he said, no, 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 no. There's some structure in my family. My family between my father and myself. And what we do is we spend time in the evenings together. And so I'm going to separate myself from everything, even the kudos of the miracles I've done. And I'm going to spend time with my father. And that's what he did. In our families, 
Structure is really, really important. Times where you can get away, whether it's on a, a, a little break of a vacation or just hanging out together to do something fun. Our family goes to Mound State Park regularly because we all enjoy the uh, creation of God and walking around. And we'll do that. But there has to be structure to make those things happen. There also has to be structure within work. Someone has to work to pay for the bills. Somebody has to take out the trash. Someone has to wash the dishes. Children have to take care of their rooms. They've got to keep beds made. They've got to be willing to take the dishes to the sink or from the dishwasher and put them away. Structure is a very, very important thing. But not only do we need structure, but we also need flexibility. Jesus understood this as well. One day, Jesus was teaching, and this outcast of people start gathering around. And pretty soon, the religious kind of, you know, holy rollers walk in, and they're like, we don't like what you're teaching. And a debate takes place between the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and Jesus. And Jesus is winning the debate and everything is going great. And the disciples are like cheering him on, like go after him, Jesus. And he takes the old Testament and he, he just kind of kills the Pharisees arguments in the midst of this. And while all of this is going on, Jesus gets uninterrupted. He gets interrupted by a very unlikely group of people. Scripture says this, the people brought children to Jesus, hoping that he might touch them. The disciples shooed them off, but Jesus was irate and let them know it. Don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. These children are at the center of the kingdom, uh, of the life in the kingdom. Then gathering the children up in his arms, he laid his hands a blessing on them. Here, what happens is the disciples wanted to stay in the structure. You're winning the debate. Everything's going great. And Jesus says, you know what? You're not being flexible enough. You need to be more flexible. And when these kids come in there, Jesus says, you need to turn this on its end. Especially when children are involved, you have to have some flexibility. And the scripture says that Jesus took these children up and he hugged them in his arms and he blessed each one of them. Flexibility, folks, is extremely important in a family. Things are going to come up. Uh, People are not always going to act the exact same way. You've got to be flexible and it's important to do so. Now, the extreme of both structure and flexibility when it comes to the extreme of structure is being rigid. And when it comes to flexibility, it's just chaos, whatever happens. So when families are rigid or chaotic, problems actually arise. In a rigid family, there are high expectations that sometimes are truly unrealistic. For example, maybe as a kid, you lived in a rigid family. And you came home and you like got a grade from a C to a B. And then all of a sudden your parents are like, you know what? A's are the only thing that counts. Or maybe you did everything to your room to clean it all up. But you left one thing kind of mis, uh, you know, mistaken and, and you forgot to put it away or whatever it was. And all of a sudden they're like, no, it wasn't good enough. And it becomes very, very rigid. It's never good enough. 
Maybe that's what you heard for much of your life. Whatever you did in the system, it wasn't good enough. In a rigid family world, order and rules are unbreakable. And this puts a lot of pressure on kids to always have to be on, that I can't make a mistake. So do you recognize your family at all in being in this rigid kind of area? Now, there's another extreme. Flexibility is good, but flexibility, when it becomes chaotic, is not good. This is where when you get home, a child never knows what actually the kind of way behavior and what we're going to do in this place. Your parents just become extremely unpredictable. You don't know when you walk in whether there's going to be food on the table or not. You don't even know if your parents are there. You don't know if you walk in and you say, hey, I got in trouble for this. At one point, it might be like, who cares? Or the other time, you get beat to an inch of your life. That is a chaotic family. A few years ago, I saw an example of this chaotic family, I actually listened to it, of the actor Alec Baldwin. And it's a phone conversation between he and his 11-year-old daughter. It's quite unnerving, but I'd like you to take a moment to actually listen to it right now. So folks, maybe your family doesn't go to that extreme, but the truth is, is that sometimes when stress is high in the household and things aren't going so well, you start putting each other down. Parents put down kids, uh, your spouse puts you down, you put them down. There's all kinds of stuff that comes and it might not be on a recording that goes out to the rest of the world like poor Alec Baldwin had happened to him. But the truth is, maybe that happens in your family system. So when something doesn't go as planned, it's important for you to pause and say, we can be flexible in this. It doesn't have to rise to the level of chaos or being chaotic in the midst of that. Because chaos, folks, will often leave scars. So what I'd like you to do right now, between that sense of being rigid or chaotic... Which one of those does your family have a tendency to kind of fall into? You, you would say, oh, I don't think it's either. But all of us probably have a tendency to either when things aren't going so well that we get real rigid or things become chaotic. And so I invite you to circle those. Now, 
The question becomes then, okay, Chris, you told us what is healthy and what the problems are. What can we actually do about this? So kind of rapid fire style, what I want to do is just give you four kind of things that you can go after um, if, with a fresh start with your family. The first one is this, that you honor your family. What good has come from my family? That's what you have to ask. What good has come that I could actually honor (laughs) other people? Scripture says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Now, God gives his first commandment to Moses about honoring your parents. Now, guess what happened on that day? There was no perfect parents. There were no perfect parents. There was no perfect parents on that day. And guess what has happened ever since that day? There has been no such thing as perfect parents. Parents are going to mess up. They're going to say things. They're going to do wrong stuff. It's just going to happen. But how can you honor them in the midst of this? So what is it that God's really going after when it comes to this? Well, if you had really, really good parents, this is easy for you to to do. You should just make it more scheduled that daily or once a week. I'm going to tell my parents, I want to honor you. I'm so grateful that you were my parents. For others of you, though, maybe you didn't have parents like that. Maybe you had parents that ignored you or neglected you, or maybe even worse, they mistreated you in some way. Maybe you're going through an issue with one of your parents right now. And you think to yourself, it seems impossible that I'd ever be able to honor them. So how can you honor someone when they've had very little respect for you? Well, I think what God is trying to say is that in this verse, he wants you to honor what good there is. Now, there may be no way that you can respect that person for certain things. Respect has to be earned, but you can still honor them. At a very, very minimal level, you could honor the God-given role of a parent that I can honor them that they gave me life. They gave me tons of misery in other ways, but they gave me the gift of life and I'll honor them for that. Maybe you can honor them for the fact that you have a passion to be a better parent than what your parents were to you. And if that's so, then you honor that. And when you do this kind of thing, God actually gets honored as well. So we honor the family. The second way you can have a fresh start with your family is to differentiate. How am I different from my family? That I'm going to own some of the differences that I have. That it's okay for me to share. Uh, No, I I distinguish myself in this way. I'm not going to be afraid to share what that is. I want a fresh start with my family to share what my unique gifts are. My two daughters are very different from one another. My oldest daughter, Jordan, uh, loves sports and loves to compete. My youngest daughter, Shiloh, likes sports, but she really loves the arts. And she's not so much about competition as she is actually having relationships with as many people as she can. 
And one of the things that we've had to realize is that these two girls are very different. And that we have to honor the, how they differentiate themselves from one another. And that we embrace the different things that they have. And that you have to do the same. For example, I'm not the most artsy person in the world, but two weeks from today, I'll be here in this auditorium watching Mean Girls for Shiloh. My uh, wife, Jennifer, is not the sportsiest person at all, but she spent a whole night on Friday night watching swimming down in Indianapolis because we want to be able to understand and to see the differences in them. The third thing you might want to do as a fresh start is this, to be an influence, to be an influence in your family. What behavior do I want to model in my my family? Now, you can't make family members be healthy. Let me say that. You can't make them change. You can't make them be different. You can't make them be more loving or more kind. But you can influence the environments that you're in so that people are open to seeing what your attitude and your life is like. So the question becomes, how can we develop this type of environment? Well, there are a couple things that Jesus says. The first one he says is this. In everything, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. In everything. In everything. That's the key word here. In everything, I'm going to treat you the way that I would want you to treat me. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be forgiving. Whether or not the person in your family is kind or loving or forgiving not, I'm going to choose to do that. Because you can only choose your attitude. You can't choose the attitude of anyone else in your family. The other key that Jesus says is that you need to love your neighbor. Jesus said this, for the whole law can be summed up with this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting, devouring one another, watch out, be aware of destroying one another. One of the neighbors that may be the most difficult for you to love is someone in your family. Because in our family, we have a tendency to bite at one another. And the scripture says, be very careful when you get into that biting kind of mentality, because if you're not careful, you can actually destroy your family. So instead, you have to choose your attitude that I'm going to choose an attitude of kindness and love, regardless of what they do. And when you do this, you not only honor God, but I think in time, what can happen is you can literally change your family. Now, some of you might be saying, Chris, there's no way that's going to happen with my family or this one relationship in my family. I wouldn't even know how to start. Well, let me give you a couple of things that you could read to help you do this or listen to it uh, book on tape. First of all, if you live in a disengaged family, you're totally away from one another and you've stopped listening to each other. A great book to get is one that's helped me a lot called Listening for Heaven's Sake. And you can actually become less disengaged if I learn how to listen better to the people in my family. 
Now, if you're enmeshed and you're constantly like, I I feel like I don't have a place because we're so close and everybody knows everybody's business, then what you need to do is to create some healthy boundaries. A great book that would help you maybe with this is the book called Boundaries. In fact, the authors of this book have written several books on boundaries for families, boundaries for kids, boundaries for teens, boundaries for gerbils. I just wanted to see if you were still listening to me, okay? Um, Yeah, but there's many things that you could work on and you could set some healthy boundaries. All right, uh, last thing that you can do within your family, and it's this, to intercede in prayer. What issue in my family do I need to turn over to God? What issue must I turn over to God? Now, I said it earlier, but I really believe it. And it's this, folks, you can't change anyone in your family. If you thought you could change them, you would have already done that. But you can't. And it's so important for you to realize that. You can't fix them. You can't heal them. You can't coerce them into doing what you want. They're going to do what they want. But what we have to do is cheat at this point. You have to cheat and go to a higher level. And that level is to the one who loves them more than you anyways. And that is to God. And the hardest part when a family's uh, created some kind of issue is that we want to control them. And we have to pry our hands off their necks and we release them to God. And we say, God, you do what only you can do. Scripture says this, pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. That is God's plan for all families. That they can live together whole and healed. Healed, that we don't pry, but we release them to God. So this is what I want you to do as we close. Of those four things, I want you to ask God right now, what's one of those things that I could go after? What is one of those things I could do? Maybe you need to honor your family. Maybe you need to differentiate and say, I'm going to own some of the things that are in my family. Maybe you need to influence your family, or maybe you need to start praying for your family. So right now, what I'd like all of you to do is to look at those four things and choose one of those things that starting this week, you're going to try to go after. And throughout this year, To have a fresh start with my family, I'm going to do one of those four. So which of those four do you want to go after? What is God asking you to do? So I'm going to uh, ask that the lights come down for a moment and for you to just have a moment with God of which of these four do you want to circle and go after starting this week?
Well, I hope you uh, did circle one of those. I know for me, when I did this exercise, I circled influence. I want to have better influence for my family. And I pray that whatever you did, you'll go after it this week. Let's pray. Father, we realize that our families are a gift to us. Regardless of how messed up they might be at times, it's the family that you've given to us. And we pray that you'd give us strength and wisdom to know how to have a fresh start with them this year. God, I pray for those families that are hurting right now in big ways. God, would you bring your healing to them and give them the courage maybe to have difficult conversations, to listen deeply more than they could ever listen before. And in places where it's so unhealthy that they would set boundaries if that's necessary. I pray, God, for each family that is represented here today and for each family that's on this stream, that you would make them whole and that you would bring healing, God, where there needs to be healing. As we keep praying right now, maybe there are some of you that the truth is you've never chosen to be a part of God's family. The truth is God created every single human being. You're his creation, but you've never said, I want to be his child. You've never said, I want to be at the table with him. And maybe today you're like, that's what I want. And the truth is, folks, God's arms are wide open to receive you as his child. But you have to take the first step to say, I want that relationship. And so today, if you've been trying to do life on your own and there's a void in your life, and today you want Christ in your life, you want his love, you want his grace, you want that family connection to know that your father is with you all the time, that he is always for you and always with you. If today's your day where you're ready to accept Christ into your life, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we share together. But for some of you today, you're saying, this is my family. God, I'm coming home to you. I want to be a part of your family. And you can do that today. And I invite you to do so as we pray this prayer. If you would, just close your eyes if you feel comfortable and repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.